Welcome to the Push-Pull Sales and Marketing Podcast. I'm Marcello. And I'm Sherry. In each episode, we provide you with sales and marketing strategies that you can implement immediately into your own business. Today, we're going to be talking about the challenger sale. And Marcello knows a lot more about this than I do, so I'm interested to learn a little bit more along with you guys. Um, We'll give you some takeaways in this episode, but you can grab your own copy by using our affiliate link, which is pushpullsales.com slash challenger sale. So, where do we start, Marcella? All right. It's a book. That's about, it's, it's a book about being a better salesperson. Um, you pop at, hmm, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very loaded, uh, it's a very loaded question. Um, it'll definitely help you identify what, what is basically um, better personas for selling as well as what they do and what you can emulate. Um, it's kind Your of own persona or the people you're selling to? No, the actual salesperson's persona. So okay. really what it does is it actually uh, it analyzes, um, I think, over 6,000 salespeople, I think across, I want to say, 90-plus companies. I don't remember the exact number. Uh, and what it did is basically they, they were able to kind of categorize each kind of selling style and each kind of selling uh, person and it actually ranks pretty much their their overall effectiveness and you can kind of learn what kind of sales rep you are what kind of sales reps you have on your team uh, and really who is going to be the most effective in terms of recruiting you're going to want people who fit uh, a, a, a one actual persona it's not to say that if someone's in another persona they're not able to be successful. That but, was going to be my question, was how stuck are you in that? Um, I could see from a recruiting standpoint, but let's say you already have someone on your team who is has a tendency to be in one persona, Is will the challenger sale also help you learn the skills and, and mindset maybe that you need to not necessarily shift into a different persona, but kind of take on some of those traits? Exactly. And, and, and you want to take on... And again, I'll, I'll cover each one, but you want to take on uh, obviously more of the traits of, of the more ideal of the more ideal persona or, or, or the more ideal selling style, and then you want to shy away from some of the other things. And then, in the same token, there are some there are some positives for for some of the other uh, for some of the other selling personas. So, uh, in terms of, in terms of the actual challenger sale, what 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 it really comes down to is uh, they narrowed it down pretty much to five different selling profiles. Um, you have one is the hard worker, um, and I'm going to say what each one does, and then you know you kind of already know the answer, but I'll kind of ask you just thinking what what you would think would be the best one. The hard worker is the person that's pretty much say you know I'm going to come in at seven o'clock, I'm going to leave at seven o'clock at night, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a lot of dials, I'm going to you know send out more emails than anybody else, and you know I'm I'm, I'm definitely looking for feedback, I'm looking for my own development. Um, very motivated, uh, and I, I I just don't give up. I'm just going to keep pounding these people. I'm just going to keep making calls and all, and all that good stuff. So the hard worker, uh, and you can just put HW for short if you want to in terms of the show notes, uh, is is one is one of the first uh, is one of the first personas. Uh, on the other end, you have and you see this in a lot of companies that maybe you have a more veteran sales rep, and they really and it's for companies it's hard because they don't really know what to do with this person. This person is called is called the lone wolf. He kind of goes he goes pretty much by by the actual beat of his own drum 
Uh, he will do whatever it takes. He will deliver results a lot of the time. But this person is very, very difficult to manage. These are the people, and some sales reps don't like this to begin with, but they're, they're really bad about reports, really bad about doing things on time. They might do some things that are against company policy, and they're more inclined to kind of bend the rules, or they're more inclined to, to kind of do whatever it takes to, to pretty much get the deal done. Um, so that you, you'll, you'll find where maybe you have like a 100-person sales organization or even, even a 5-person sales organization. It's that one guy who's been there for a while and you're not really sure um, how or why, whatever, but you know he, he, he gets results, but management hates him. Um, they kind of give you an example. I worked for uh, old home improvement company. We had a pretty much a, we had a set process in terms of selling. And it would, it, for the most part, it would take about two hours. There's a gentleman. I'm not sure how. I'm not sure how he would do it. Um, you know, he didn't look like he didn't look like a salesperson. He had longer hair. I'm not going to say his name. Um, he could do a really, really good impression of the cowardly lion. So he had like curly hair, and he'd like he'd like put it in front. He would do the voice and all that good stuff. <laughs> and he would do smaller deals. He would always get cash. I don't know how. And his presentation would be 20 or 30 minutes. But but that doesn't necessarily sound bad. He, for either of these things, I mean, for the hard worker or the lone wolf, I mean, if if the results are still coming in, well, you I don't ha- know. you have to consider being able to transfer those skills and then and what the other sales reps actually think. So when I was starting off, like, oh, well, why don't I just do what Tom does? I, who that's his name was Tom. I'm not gonna say <laughs> his last name, um, but I was never ever on any sales call ever with Tom. Tom couldn't. Tom's skills couldn't transfer over. I couldn't emulate it. So the one thing is, is in, in terms of that, it's nice that you can have someone that can bring results, but it, at, at what cost are, are you looking at? So when other sales reps see that or when you can't transfer those skills to someone else, if that person leaves, um, you, you definitely run into a lot. And, pl- and likewise, you get a lot of backlash uh, on the operations side. You get a lot of backlash. So as an example, Tom's deals would be a lot less profitable for the company. Um, okay. You know, so sometimes what will happen is we would have like a win back uh, deal, or you'd have uh, an opportunity to go in and close a deal that he had tried to he had tried to set up, and coming in you had nowhere to go, you had nowhere to drop, you had nowhere to go further. So it was a really, it's really, really futile exercise um, for the sales reps. So again, it was very frustrating. So when you have newer reps that are coming in and trying to close deals that maybe had fell through because of his selling style, or maybe. Um, you know, it overall came down to price and affordability. You had nowhere to go. You had no process and you had no basis to go back and say, well, do you remember this? Do you remember that? Because he had such an abbreviated presentation. Um, so you have, yeah, so you have the lone wolf. And again, he, for years, he produced results for years for the company. Uh, next you have, and this is what a lot of sales reps are really, really want to pride themselves under. It's called the relationship builder. You can put RB for short. So HW hard worker, LW lone wolf. RB, Relationship Builder. This is your uh, classic uh, consultative sales rep, uh, someone who will spend a lot of time uh, building pretty much relationships with the customer and really working to get the customer uh, to kind of open up and tell them about their problems and get them to open up about their needs and really walk the sales rep through the process. Overall, it's a very professional person, very, very uh, pleasant, very nice, nice uh, guy, got guy or or girl, doesn't matter. Um, but then some of the drawbacks is the relationship builder oftentimes has a very hard time having those conversations about price, 
having those conversations about asking for the business. So the, so the relationship builder, um, I mean, it, it definitely helps because overall, multiple people across the company normally like to like the relationship builder when you have multiple stakeholders. Uh, but then everything else you're running into is, 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 you know, it's harder on the harder in the back end, harder with price, harder to get them to go ahead and push and close. Next, you have what is called the challenger. And I, I think you can guess between the name of the book where the book focuses, <laughs> uh, the challenger sale. So pretty much the challenger uh, salesperson doesn't necessarily help the customer uncover their own uh, needs that, uh, that that you might not have you know known about or you know about, but just kind of go a little bit deeper. The challenger sale or the challenger salesperson will actually have a different insight for the customer that the customer hasn't 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 considered before they're not afraid to push back on price and uh, they're very good about asking for the business and really really challenging them so you know they're they're one that i would feel very comfortable having a debate and some you know when customer says well i've been doing it this way for years why should i work with you um you know the relationship builder might have a little bit of a hard time getting over that the hard worker is just going to keep asking to say well let's just do this let's just do this let's just do this and the lone wolf not really sure what the lone well, <laughs> not really sure what he does, but somehow, 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 the, the some of the the, uh, the lone wolf is able to produce. Uh, and then, lastly, you have oh, and, and backtracking too, the uh, challenger uh, sales rep is very good about understanding a customer's business, so they're not as concerned so much about knowing their own product knowledge. I mean, they'll they'll definitely have that, and, and, and at this point, it's pretty much a given. But they understand their customer's business more so than sometimes even the customer will understand. So if you're in the... Because they're looking at it from a different perspective. Exactly. Whereas the relationship builder is more putting themselves in the customer's shoes and seeing it from the customer's perspective versus the challenger who's who's taking more of an outside-looking-in approach. Exactly. So so to kind of give you an example, um, there's a company, uh, actually, I think, their corporate is in Pennsylvania too. It's called Densply. Uh, what the, what they actually supply is, is dental is dental supplies. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, and in one of the studies, what pretty much what had happened is is that they rolled out a it was like a new kind of um, tool. It was lighter. It was easier to handle. Um, and pretty much uh, when when they first rolled it out, all the dentists said, "That's great. This is a really good product." And whenever my old one uh, goes out, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll buy that. So they're like, well, I don't really understand that. So what they did is they actually changed their approach, and, and the challenger reps would bring in actually the wear and tear from, you know, um, just you know carpal tunnel and the weight and the absenteeism from from di- from different you know dental hygienists from having to work with those awkward tools, carry a heavy cord across them, and kind of moving things around and say, hey, you know, it's not a matter of upgrading your old system. It's a matter of, of solving, you know, you know, a problem that's probably costing you tens of thousands of dollars a year that you didn't realize. Mm-hmm. Um, so the challenger rep is going to talk about things that might not even be related to that. Talk about, okay, well, how many times, I mean, how many times a year do you have your hygienist out? I mean, how many times do you have to, you know, swap out? What are you doing about overtime for somebody else? Or, or, or pretty much anything along that that might be pretty much a, a ripple effect of their product or service mm-hmm. the challenger rep is going to bring that up the relationship builder won't even think about that you know uh, so moving on then you have what is uh, called the ps or the rps the problem solver or the reactive problem solver these are people highly detail oriented 
Um, they are very, very good at following up for customer issues. They are very good at pretty much um, people pleasing, I hate to say. And what will happen well, is... I mean, there's a time and a place for that. Right. Too. Like people are happy with them. They might they might enjoy working with them. But I think with all of them, the, the thing that sets the challenger apart is that the, the problems aren't... I mean, they might get solved in a traditional manner, but then something else is going to come up. I think uh, being able to look at things from a different perspective or bring in some new ideas, um, you know, and really push them to go out of their comfort zone is the only way that that companies are really going to either be able to keep up with the marketplace or get ahead of it. Yeah, I mean, and and, and the other thing to consider, too, is is you would think that the quote-unquote problem solver would have better customer loyalty and would, would have that across the board. And that's, and that's a good thing and that's also a bad thing. So the reactive problem solver is spending so much of his time or her time fixing other issues that probably could have been passed to somebody else that their customer base is typically a lot smaller. So if one customer leaves... Well, and it's also reactive. I mean, the problems are still coming up. Like the customer is still bringing these problems maybe to the rep over and over again as compared to the rep coming first and saying here's something that might happen here's a problem that you might have in the future here's a problem that you might be having already and you're not seeing it let's take care of it instead of just you know it's annoying when you always have to go to somebody and say oh now this is wrong oh now this is a problem and then they come up with a solution where you feel like if if you cared about my business you would have seen this maybe even before we did and, and and you're thinking that too in terms of seeing the business, but also just in just in general day to day. So like let's say I'm a staffing company and I have a problem, somebody doesn't show up or anything like that, and I brought them on board. If you if you're doing sales and you're doing everything else, there's only there's only so many there's only so much time in, throughout the day. And and the thing is with the with the problem solver is they're kind of filling two roles. They're doing the customer service and they're also doing the sales role. Uh, and what studies have shown now is that that's actually uh, less than ideal. I mean, there are times where the sales rep does have to step up, mm-hmm. but it is less than ideal for that person to, to go ahead and step up into that. So, you know, go ahead and running through the numbers between everyone, uh, you know, that between the five, you have the lone wolf, hard worker, reactive problem solver, relationship builder, and then you have the challenger sales rep. Which one do you think is the worst performer? <laughs> Can I look at your notes? Nope. Um... Let's see. And again, I would say maybe the hard worker. Uh, that's that, that 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 is quite interesting. I think hard worker was the second worst. Um, and I guess it depends, you know. And, and what we're talking about, and not necessarily the worst, but and and this goes back to, I mean, for years, I, growing up wrestling, I'm going to mention uh, Don Ernst. He always talked about if you want it to be good, you really have to study the best. So you know, when, when I would study wrestling. Uh, tapes or videos. I wasn't looking at national champs. I wasn't looking at state champs. I was studying what the Russians were doing. I was studying what 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 Olympic champs were doing because they're the best in the world at it. So when we talk about top performers, if you go and run through the studies, the percentage of top performers that were um, uh, of of the five profiles, the actual smallest representation, the relationship builder now is is well, it was by far the lowest. So out of a hundred. At 100%, 7% were relationship builders. Because so, they're so never asking for the sale. Because they're not asking for the sale. So this is kind of like that 
old school mentality where it's just the guy that comes in and drops off pizza and you have and you have a friendly face, you know, and just someone who's yeah, he's just a nice guy. Do I like to think, do business with him. Do you think a lot of the relationship builders just are in the wrong field? Like I feel like that skill set could be really valuable elsewhere and maybe it's just, you know, a lot of the relationship build like I feel like a hard worker could have more of the sales personality, um or any of the other ones, but relationship builder I think a lot of times, if you're if you're wanting to put yourself in someone else's shoes, you're never wanting to to do that hard sale. Exactly, and the and the and the, re- the relationship builder doesn't have that sense of urgency, and it takes a lot of time to build these relationships. Okay, it's not to say that the that, that a challenger sales rep doesn't build relationships. Every single sales rep builds a relationship right. at at some point, but the um, the actual relationship builder now it's they might have a couple accounts that that, that they're good at maintaining accounts mm-hmm. but uh having existing accounts or to grow accounts it's definitely harder for them so if you were to look through the numbers and which one do you think is the best or which one or not or not the best which one, <laughs> which one so the, the, the actual study showed so four in ten so over 40 percent of top performers followed the challenger style so pretty much more than more more than it more than everybody else uh, the one thing to consider too, it also depends on what kind of selling environment you're in. So if you don't have a very, very complex sale, those numbers might be skewed a little bit more toward the hard worker. So mm. for example, if I'm in like telemarketing or something like that, and I'm selling a, like a really non-complex product, um, or if maybe I'm dealing with inbound leads, um, a different persona might actually be a little bit more affected. But something if, that's, that is more about just putting in the dials, like if it's just... The more calls you make, the more sales you're going to make because nothing's too complex. But if you're selling maybe a higher price product or something that's a little bit more elaborate in in the customer relationship and the and the product itself, mm-hmm. and 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 that and that really leads to why challenger sales reps are becoming more and more prevalent because the selling process and and the buying cycle is a lot more complex now. So maybe 20, 30 years ago, if I was selling IT services. I would talk to the director of IT. Uh, now I have to get a lot more people's buying. People are a lot more cautious when they're spending money. Uh, it's not just the director. The end users are involved. You have a lot more uh, moving parts, and you have a lot more people's uh, buying, quote-unquote. So when you have that, the challenger is better able to know the overall business strategy and really, really hone in on what the overall impact would be and not just talk nuts and bolts and, hey, this thing is, you know, or, or this service is going to save you 30% of your downtime or whatever it is. It's like, well, what this is going to do is your retention is going to be better because you're not going to have burnout. If you were to get acquired by another company or if you were to acquire another company, you can handle the additional workload or, or pretty much whatever. I'm just throwing out examples there. But um, the actual challenger rep, uh, is 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 better able is better able to uh, to go ahead and do that. So, uh, going to a little bit more detail about what a challenger rep is 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 good at or what those or what the primary qualities are. Uh, one of them I alluded to earlier. They're they're very okay discussing money. Relationship builder, not so much. Even the hard worker sometimes not so much because a hard worker knows that all right. Well, this, whatever. If if I, if I push on money, that person might that person might say no. But I have so many other people to call, so so that's okay. Um, and the lone wolf too, actually. The lone wolf is, is okay talking about money as well, but it's not it's not to the same degree. Um, the challenger rep can hit the customer with what I like to call 
Uh, and I'm not sure if this is even a universally accepted sales term. I'll have to reach out um, at a uh, a guy who pretty much uh, kind of took me under his wing when I started off in selling. Uh, he called it the velvet hammer, <laughs> um, which I've used that term. I've taught that term to other people, um, but I'm not sure if that's really a universal sales <laughs> thing or, or if maybe it's just something I learned from Ken. Um, we, we, we called him whole house Kenny. Cause again, his style, he would only sell an entire house worth of product. Cause he's like, well, if you do anything less, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. When we talk about the velvet hammer is where you're, when you talk about pressure, um, you're, you're, you're challenging the customer, you're pressuring them, but you're doing it in a way that the customer is okay with and they and they almost thank you for it. So it's the difference between, yeah, man, I was, it's just some stupid pushy sales rep well he was in my house and you know or i was on the lot and some pushy sales rep was trying to get me into this and i didn't think it was right for me versus someone that might be better at asking questions and really uh closing for the business and versus say come on you know you're going to do this eventually just do this come on do this people people do not do not respond well to do not respond well to that so the velvet hammer is someone's being hit by a hammer but you just you just you just don't feel it it's a it's a velvet hammer uh, so, so the challenger sales rep is very, very good at that. In terms of just overall communication, the challenger sales rep is good uh, in terms of two-way communication. So they're not just good at having a really refined pitch and spewing out what, what they're good at. So the hard worker is typically not good at two-way communication. They're not really good at, at active listening. You know, They don't really give any sort of feedback back. They just kind of run through everything um, and it's kind of funny. So the hard worker is also typically, and I'm, I'm like this only because I'm from Jersey, a very fast talker. So the hard worker is a very fast talking. He's always in a rush. Um, or she's always in a rush. And, 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 and that's really their persona. The challenger rep can kind of slow things down a little bit and, and, and can walk through and really have a good conversation with the customer. So they're very good at two-way communication. Um, and we, we've covered this before. The challenger rep and really what separates them, the number one thing is that is that they have a unique perspective or they have a unique uh, insight for the customer or they have a unique um, uh, they have a unique way of maybe framing a customer's problem bigger than what the customer had originally considered. Um, and, and a lot of that comes basically from knowing the customer's business and really and really knowing the individual customer's values too. So they can sell to the IT person and know exactly what the IT person wants to hear. They can sell to the director of HR, know what the director of HR wants to hear. They really, really are good at, at basically um, understanding different personalities uh, within a business's needs but also the overall needs of the company. So, so it really is a, a very ideal approach. Um, I can let you ask some questions now. Now that I'm kind of running through this. That's all right. It all makes sense. Okay. So <clears throat> who makes a good challenger rep personality-wise? Someone who is a uh, teacher at heart. Because really what the challenger rep sees is I have a unique... Uh, way of your business and I have to get your attention and I have to uh, I have to pretty much explain this to you and I really think it's I really think it's in your best interest and I really can explain it in a very very clear way so a lot of sales reps have a harder time picking that broader implication of their product and their actual solution so I'm going to make you do this going to put you on the spot throw out a product or throw out a service first though I feel like a lot of these skills that go into being a challenger sales rep is just indicative of being a more seasoned sales rep is that i mean 
are you seeing these things? I guess this is what we're, you're getting into a little bit more. So somebody that that is does a better job with teaching, that kind of has a knack for that, has a knack for explaining things well and clearly might fall more into that. Um, I mean, you, you, have, you have a valid point. So someone who's been in sales longer might have adapted to that. Really, the, some of the better sales reps now are able to adapt. So that's why sometimes you see someone who's been with the company forever and then all of a sudden, you know, they just find that they're just not able to perform how they used to be. They just don't have the numbers the same because they're not able to adapt. So a relationship builder can make a transition and can take on some more of the challenger sales reps' actual traits because there are some similarities. So just as an example, the relationship builder and the challenger rep are both very, very good at communication. They're very good about getting customer feedback and getting customer insight. The reason why the challenger rep has adapted is that they know that the customer's don't have as much time as they used to, so they don't want to go through these exploratory meetings and to go through everything. Um, if if you know, I have a million other things going on. Yeah. So the challenger well, rep can basically come in and teach real quick and say, "Okay, I already know what your problem is, and or you, you're you have a problem you don't know about. I'm going to tell you about this problem. I'll tell you how we can fix it and how it has a bigger implication versus." Just yeah. running through and say, hey, what keeps you up at night? But things like, you know, is comfortable discussing money, you know, is one of the one of the things of a challenger rep. I feel like those kind of things can come with time. You know, it might feel uncomfortable the first couple of times you're asking a customer for money or, I guess, putting down the velvet hammer. But um, eventually you're going to you're going to get to the point where that's second nature. That feels more comfortable. You understand, you know, that that this is part of the process. Yeah, I mean, the, it'll, it'll, definitely, it'll definitely come and it'll be easier as you go through anything and really adapting to that. And actually, the, the last person who we had on, and, and, and it's funny because we haven't been, we haven't done like a, uh, we haven't done the a podcast. We haven't done uh, with the two of us because we've had so many great people who we've reached out to, also some who, who've reached out to us and had them on, had them on the show. So Anthony Anarino, I like his. So he definitely models that challenger rep approach. But he also has a lot of the traits of the hard worker. If you read his book, you know, basically said, I went in, I locked my door or whatever. I put up a sign. You know, he's a no-nonsense guy when it, when it came time to prospect. But in the same token, when it came time to talk to customers um, and he'd get pushed back on price or he'd get pushed back on something, you know, uh, well, I can do this and, and, and it's good enough, he would say no. You, you, we need to have an adult conversation here about the outcomes that you're looking for. And I'm going to tell you, for the outcome you want, you need this solution. So the challenger sales rep uh, is able to go ahead and take control and really have that conversation. Uh, the, the relationship builder hasn't adapted to that, and that is very uncomfortable to go because the same thing. The relationship builder can be comfortable talking about price and money, but the relationship builder and the hard worker will be and the lone wolf will be inclined to drop price or to drop a solution, whereas the challenger rep will sell bigger deals, and they'll also sell more profitable deals for the company because they're they're very very um, comfortable taking control of the conversation and really moving things along. And in in the end, it works better for the customer. I'd rather sell somebody something that's a thousand dollars and meets a hundred percent of their needs than to sell somebody something that's seven hundred dollars and meets thirty percent of their needs. Um, but yeah, so just just kind of backtracking the the challenger rep. We talked about taking control. The challenge the challenger rep is good at customizing and tailoring their message specifically for the customer and they're they're basically teachers they're good at educating and, and bringing a whole new perspective to the point where the customer says 
gee, I never thought of that before. I didn't really think about how big that problem is. Hmm. What do you recommend? And a big part of teaching is putting things in a way that'll make sense to your customer. You know, whether you're teaching kids in an elementary school, you know, you need to be speaking on their level. You need to be explaining things in a way that'll make sense to them. And when you're selling business, you know, how you're going to teach different industries is going to vary based on where they're at in the company, what they deal with on a daily basis, and what's going to make the most sense to them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, I think that pretty much covers a lot of it in terms of just just the overall personality and the persona without going too much into it. Because I mean, I think it's like a 250 page book and they also have, uh, they also have another um, book called The Challenger Customer. And that also talks a lot about the uh, unique situation we're, we're in right now. So when a customer will approach a sales rep, they're probably f- over 50% along the way in terms of the buying uh, window or, or pretty much in, in the buying process. Whereas before, the hard worker might have approached the customer when they were at the 0%. Because the key point influence, ideally, you'd want to get them before. And this is where people like you come in having that marketing uh, funnel available and having that information in a very, very uh, clean and accessible way or, or to make it so that way when the customer does actually make a decision that really is right, top of mind. reaching out to you. Hopefully they have a good understanding of who you are and what you can do for them. Right. And and, and, and also, and, and this is what you're very good at, uh, it's not so much where you just have one key decision maker anymore and I just need to find that person there's a lot more people involved in the selling process. So good marketers, good marketing people are able to have a message that will really find the key person that can influence either everyone around them and make a message that will be transparent enough. That way it'll, it'll, it'll not, or not transparent. That'll translate from the person who received that to the end user. So just to give you an example. Sometimes I'll kind of like explain a movie or something to you and you'll be like, what are you, what are you talking about? I don't do a good job translating movies or anything like that. Like, you'll, you'll just have to watch it. If you have a good enough message, it'll be easy enough that somebody like me, who's not good at explaining movies or anything like that, can just, you know, can just carry across. Um, so again, just, just to recap real quick, you have, in terms of the studies, they had again over 9,000 salespeople. How many? I don't remember. What, what, what were my numbers here? So it's six thousand, I think. And, yep, six over six thousand salespeople. Ninety plus companies. Over ninety plus companies narrowed it down to five different distinct uh, selling styles and selling personas. You had the LW, the lone wolf. Uh, this is the people that management hate. Been in there forever. Uh, somehow they get deals done. They come in late. They do whatever. Uh, HW, hard worker relationship builder which was the solution selling person the consultative selling person uh of maybe 15 20 years ago and now you have the challenger sales rep and the uh reactive problem solver 40 percent of top performers fall under the challenger rep uh role they're very good and this is for you as a sales rep to think about how can i better uh educate my customers on a problem that my customer didn't even think about uh, and how my solution really, really helps them versus just working through and uncovering needs and just presenting A because A meets that need versus, um, you know, you have a big, hairy, whatever monster in your closet and I'm going to get rid of it that you had no idea. I'm, this is a really bad analogy. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I, wonder, I was wondering where you were going with that. I was going to say mole or something like that. Like, you know, if you go to the doctor and they say you have a mole and he goes, oh, it's it's, it's actually, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here for the mole, but I see you have some kind of weird growth or cancer. I don't know. It's a very, very bad example. 
But regards, the challenger rep is very, very good at having a new insight and showing the customer exactly a problem that they didn't, that they weren't aware of. Uh, and they're better able to get bigger deals. They're better able to educate customers, and they're better able to keep the profitability intact for the company. And again, this kind of circles back to Anthony Anarino. They're good at having. I think he said he said adult or he said grown up conversation, but like the way he said it, it was like very, very to the point. Like. It's like actually, it's quite simple. You just need to have a you need to have an adult conversation about this. What outcome do you want? How are we going to help you get there? Um, so uh, again, and and that was in a previous episode, and we'll have a link to that as well. But I think that wraps everything up. Yep. So show notes for this episode, or if you want to find old episodes, you can go to pushpullsales.com. Um, we're on iTunes as well. You can search for us there or do the quick link, pushpullsales.com slash iTunes. Um, We also just put all of our episodes, and they'll continue to go up, um, on YouTube. So if you prefer to just listen on YouTube or have that in the background or whatever, you can do that, pushpullsales.com slash YouTube, or search for us there. Instagram is at pushpullsales. Twitter is at pushpullsales. If you're interested in coming on the podcast or have any feedback for us, you can email us, pushpullsales at gmail.com. Anything else? Oh, thanks to bendsound.com for our intro and outro music. And thanks to you guys for listening. Oh, yeah. Uh, If you like what you're listening to, uh, subscribe. If you can write a review, uh, we'd appreciate that. Share this with your friends. It it definitely helps out the show. You don't ask for that enough. I think we do at the end of every episode. I don't think so. That's good. (laughs) All right. See you. Bye.